You are listening to the Practice Growth Podcast with Sean Terrell. Welcome to the Practice Growth Podcast. I am your host, Sean Terrell. And this week, I'd like to provide some more thoughts and hopefully some more clarity on the topic that we discussed during last week's podcast. And so if you missed last week's podcast, it is probably helpful to go back and listen to that episode first. But just as a refresher for those that did catch it last time, uh, it was a discussion on the four components that factor into reaching financial independence from practice. And in order for a dentist to have the option to practice, assuming any dentist wants their lifestyle to be about the same or better after they stop practicing, what is required is the ability to generate the cash flow or the money needed to live the life that a dentist wants to live without having to get up and go to work every day. It's sort of the transition or the tipping point of having to work for money to instead having your money work for you. And so what is implicit or was implied in the last episode, but not explicitly stated, is that saving some of what's earned along the way or during a dentist's practice years is absolutely required. Not spending everything and setting something aside, that's part of the deal. Uh, Second part of that is that whatever that money is that's saved, ideally will be redirected into not just a a basic savings account, but into other assets that will grow over time. And then the third part of that is that ideally those assets where the money that's saved is, is redirected, either indirectly or directly, will have the ability to generate a cash flow or replace the paycheck and maybe also the profit distributions from a dental practice. And that third part, that last part, is what I want to dive deeper into today. So to be clear, how much gross income should be saved by a dentist along the way during their practice years? That's a really important discussion. And where or in what type of investment vehicles or areas should that money be saved and invested uh, to build those assets? That's also a really important discussion. But just to keep it really tight and narrow today, I just want to focus on some of the considerations during the distribution phase. That is, assuming a dentist has built and accumulated a big enough pool of assets to replace their income from active practice, how does someone actually go about and go from earning a paycheck from treating patients to earning a paycheck or generating cash flow? Uh, Instead, by siphoning off a tiny little chunk or a little sliver of those assets, uh, either each month, each quarter, or each calendar year in retirement. So it's a lot easier to have a discussion about that if we use some sort of practical example. For the sake of argument, let's just say that a dentist's magic number for financial independence is $5 million dollars. And so with that example, once a dentist accumulates $5 million in revenue-producing assets, they have the option to stop practicing. Now, some dentists will need way more than that, and a lot of dentists could also uh, live on way less or live the life that they want to live with 
getting to a much smaller number. But again, sake of argument, just to have a practical example, let's say the number is $5 million. And let's also say that that $5 million total represents the sum of money from three different areas. One, a qualified plan like a 401k or profit sharing plan. Two, non-qualified investment assets. And the third piece of that $5 million sum would be the net proceeds after taxes from the sale of the dental practice. And so the objective in this scenario would be to take that total $5 million and use all of it to generate income or cash flow for the rest of a dentist's life. And with that objective, several things will need to be navigated to have a chance to be successful. And let's just say, again, I like the number three, let's say it's three things. So to dive deeper into that, uh, the first thing is that it's highly probable that some sort of rate of return will need to continue to be earned on that $5 million throughout the course of a dentist's retirement. In other words, it's not realistic to just take that $5 million and park it in a savings account or a CD at the bank and think that the interest and the principal will be enough to last in that scenario over the length of a 25, 30, 35-year retirement. And so it's reasonable to expect that some of that $5 million will need to continue to earn stock market-like rates of return for an extended period of time. And so the first question that needs to be answered or the first thing that needs to be navigated with generating cash flow off of assets in retirement is what's an appropriate amount of risk on that money given a dentist's individual circumstances? What assumptions should be used when figuring out uh, the distribution strategy uh, related to rate of return and risk and balancing those two things? Second part of that, there will need to be some assumptions made about what percentage of that $5 million can be safely withdrawn and distributed every year. And as an example, would it be appropriate to distribute 10% of that $5 million or $500,000 every year in retirement? Is that a viable strategy? And to answer my own question, more than likely it's not because in order for someone to not run out of money or not run that $5 million down to zero while they're still alive, in that scenario, the rate of return being earned on the money would also have to be in the neighborhood of 10% each and every year during retirement. And while that's possible, uh, that's just not historically likely for, to get that rate of return uh, over that long period of a time consistently. And so the safe withdrawal assumption tends to be, for a lot of people, in the neighborhood of 3 to 4% of the total number each year, or you could do it each month or each quarter depending on how you want to split it up. And so if we're talking about three to 4% each year and with a magic number of $5 million, the math on that comes out to about 150,000 to 200,000 per year in terms of what cash flow can be safely generated off a magic number of $5 million. And keep in mind, that's the gross number, right? That's uh, what the number is before taxes. And a portion of that 
money that's distributed every year will definitely need to be allocated to taxes, especially considering that our example included a decent chunk of money that was accumulated or built in a 401k plan or a profit sharing plan and most likely done on a pre-tax basis, meaning it's going to be taxed upon distribution in retirement. And so with these examples, you can start to see how the more someone has a handle on the amount of money that they would like to or need to live on in retirement on a monthly basis or an annual basis, uh, the more that someone has a handle on that number, the better someone can zero in on sort of that magic total number, the, the total amount that they need to have the option to practice. And they can do that by reverse engineering and getting to the desired cash flow. The third and final consideration of living off of accumulated assets is understanding that the process will need to be monitored somewhat closely throughout retirement and adjustments will be necessary periodically. And the benefit in committing to regular monitoring and a willingness to make adjustments is that that might allow for the use of higher withdrawal percentages of total assets. In other words, instead of withdrawing 3 to 4% of that magic number every year, which is sort of the industry standard, there is research that exists that says a rate of withdrawal of 5 to 6% can still provide a very high probability of success as long as a dentist is willing to make adjustments to spending during periods of extended market decline in retirement. And my inclination when I first started recording this episode was to use a practical example and use some numbers to explain the math behind that, but I I, I think that's just too granular uh, for today. And so the strategy of taking higher than normal withdrawal percentages in exchange for making spending reductions every once in a while in retirement, uh, it's probably a topic for another podcast. And so the key in all of this is that over a 30-year period, over a long retirement horizon, whether that's 25, 30, or 35 years, no one wants to be at risk of running out of money. But I would argue that the risk that doesn't get talked about nearly as much is the risk of not spending enough of the money in retirement and thus not enjoying it as much as someone could have. Getting to the finish line and having not spent and enjoyed enough of life doesn't sound like a favorable outcome either. So it's a delicate balance. And so to sort of wrap up uh, this episode, some of this might be a little too micro or granular, but if you've listened this far, I hope you found some of it helpful. And again, in conclusion, the considerations for asset distribution, what's an appropriate expectation for rate of return, what's an appropriate assumption for rate of withdrawal, and deciding ahead of time how should adjustments be made over the long haul to not spend too much and also to not spend too little in retirement. And so at some point in the future, maybe I'll dive into how much to save along the way to get to that magic number and also where and how to save it. But for now, let's, let's put a bow on this one. Uh, if you have thoughts or feedback, always love to hear from listeners. You can shoot me an email at sean at dentistexit.com. 
Sean is spelled S-H-A-W-N. And until next time, thank you for listening to the Practice Growth Podcast. We will talk to you soon. Terrell Advisors LLC is a registered investment advisor. The information presented should not be interpreted or construed as investment, legal, tax, financial planning, or wealth management advice. It does not substitute for personalized investment or financial planning from Terrell Advisors LLC. This podcast conveys the views and opinions of Sean Terrell, and the information herein should not be considered a solicitation to engage in a particular investment or financial planning strategy. Information presented is for educational purposes only, and past performance is not indicative of future results.